welcome and welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma. Welcome in, Brother Man Podcast 125. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's, uh, you know, another interesting week in the NFL. I mean, uh, you know, since the last time we recorded, we've had, you know, two trades go down. We had Christian McCaffrey sent off to... The 49ers for a haul of draft picks while the uh, Panthers come to reality and realize that they need to strip it down to the studs and rebuild. Uh, the Eagles, just when you thought they couldn't get any better on their team, they trade for stud defensive lineman uh, Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears. Um, I forget, I didn't see what the comp package was that the, the Eagles were sending back to Chicago, but essentially the, the Bears were able to get it done by picking up like uh, $7 million remaining on his contract and the Eagles are just paying out pretty much the veteran minimum from their end of the deal. But Eagles are stacked. The 49ers think they got their running back to put them over the hump. And, you know, the trade deadline, I think, is eight days away. I think it's November 1st. It's definitely the first week in November. I know that much. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the NFL, the storylines are so good. That's what we all watch. It's the greatest reality TV show on the planet. And before we get into the games real quick, let's let's have a quick conversation about what is your most surprising storyline so far? And, and for me, you know, obviously, while you think about this, I, I think, like, I have to give some props here to the Giants. I think what they've been able to do and how well they've been able to turn their, their, their season around from what it was last year to what it is this year, it's been nothing short of a, of a miracle, right? They're playing good, sound defense. They're, they're running the ball like crazy. Um, obviously, Brian Dayball is going to be the running for coach of the year. Uh, truthfully, b- b- both Brian Dayball's performance and both the Seahawks' performance are the two most surprising storylines for me um, so far in this early season. Yeah, I'll go with. Uh, I'll, I'll even go that you know one step further. I'll, I'll even throw the Jets in there for mm, for that point. you yeah. know mm-hmm. for that matter. And you know we'll be getting to the Jets uh, preview in a little bit. But I mean, you know, going into the season, we weren't that high on Salah's you know coaching staff and what they've done leading up to this season. And you know, I was a little high coming in on like the uh, the win total for betting purposes. I thought this was a six win team, um, but. You know, who knows if you go on DraftKings or any sports book right now that the adjusted win total has moved from like six to eight. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it moved the full two games up. Wow. I mean, is it beyond the realm that they could possibly win eight games? I don't think that's the bridge too far, but this is definitely going to be a big test. And again, Jay, just to hammer what you said about the Seahawks home, I did not have on the bingo card that Geno Smith uh, was going to be a better quarterback than the guy he replaced at Russell Wilson. I, I did not have that you know, pretty much at the, uh, almost at the halfway mark of the season at this point. Absolutely. Nobody saw that coming, but you bring up the Jets. So let's talk about the three and four New England Patriots traveling down to New Jersey to play, to take on the New York Jets at five and two. Um, quite the interesting game. I mean, we didn't expect these scores. Uh, I'm sorry. These uh, win totals, uh, this one loss record, we thought it might be flipped around at the beginning of the season, but you know, right off the bat, man, there's a lot of intrigue from our Patriots here. Obviously the big news coming out of New England this week is Zappy fever has officially died. Um, that uh, has been broken. Uh, we took a couple of Advils. He threw a couple of picks. Zappy fever, no more. And I'm very sad about that. Um, if, uh, if you guys haven't heard, Field Yates, as of today, has said that Mac Jones will probably be the starter on Sunday. So it looks like Mac got his job back. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan the Patriots come out with, uh, with Mac Jones uh, behind the helm. I know against the Bears game on Monday Night Football, they kind of, I thought they would ease him back into the game plan, but they just came on and said, start throwing the ball all over the field. And he kind of had some struggles with that. And eventually got yanked after he threw the interception. So I want to see if they take a step back. I want to see if they go back to more of a modified game plan, give them what, what Zappi is running. Because essentially what Zappi was running was last year's Mac Jones, you know, training wheels offense where he's still learning the NFL. Um, and, and I think Mac, as much as we want to be that guy to take a second year jump, the reason why there were so many struggles early on in the year was the fact that he was trying to push the ball too much and he just didn't have, obviously, that arm strength and the velocity to get the ball downfield in this new offense. So I think we're going to see the Patriots take a step back, go back to some basics, get Zach's confidence, um, get Max's confidence up, and kind of roll from there. Now, on the other side, the New York Jets, I mean, a lot's happened on that on the end, on that end of the spectrum as well. Uh, the biggest news for those guys is Brees Hall is out for the year, and their, uh, I believe it was their guard that's also out for the year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to see how they rebound. I 
I really want to see what Salah has in this game. Like I said, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Salah. I haven't been for the longest time, and I know he's 5-2 and right now, but I want to see what kind of coaching chops he's got this week against the Patriots, right? Um, If he's able to out-coach Belichick, like Ibovus did a couple of nights ago, I'd be more than happy to give him his props, but I want to see what kind of coaching coaching chops he's got this week. Yeah, I I agree, and I mean, I think a lot... A lot might be going against New England in this sense with, you know, the distraction that was Monday Night Football with, you know, he was, uh, Bill Belichick was chasing down, you know, moving past uh, Hallis for, I think, second all time and uh, and wins as a head coach in the NFL. And I think, honestly, Jay, that they just expected they were going to roll the footballs out there at Foxborough. They're going to drop 50 on Chicago and, you know, they could treat this like a preseason game where, you know, uh, Mac Jones is going to get X amount of reps with the with the starting offense, and then Bailey Zappi was going to start, uh, which that became a whole bungled mess uh, of Bill Belichick's doing. And then you have leading up all the way to today where, yeah, like Field Yates says, and he's got ties to New England. I think it was on, like, the scouting staff prior to him getting on the, the ESPN gig. Um, but, I mean, even then it was like, well, it's 90% sure that it's going to be Mac Jones starting. Well, we, we heard like two weeks ago that Mac Jones was 90%, you know, healthy and was ready to start, and they still gave Zappy the, the start. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I think at this point the locker room might be, I wouldn't say necessarily divided, but maybe feeling a certain type of way with how the lack of communication from the uh, the topmost brass communicating to them what the game plan was going to be. I mean, Jacoby Myers was chirping a little bit uh, post-game about how, uh, you know, nobody really knew what the communication or the plan was for the quarterbacks until, you know, right before kickoff. And, you know, maybe Mac Jones was throwing a little bit of shade at the presser uh, post-game when he said, you know, Bill was really good at communicating what the plan was. But with all that being said, I think if the, you know, the Jets are a live dog in this game, uh, right now the point spread is going between one and a half to two and a half points, depending on what book you're looking at. Um, I actually like the Jets in this matchup. As, as weird as it sounds with how much bad blood and every opportunity that you know Bill Belichick has to stick it to the Jets and run the score up, I think, honestly, if this game is going to be won by the New York Jets, it's going to be decided in the trenches. It's going to be on the defensive line. Um, you know, Quinnen Williams has been playing like a man possessed. We said it last week and the week prior that Quinnen has looked like the, the first round pick uh, coming out of Alabama that we all thought he was going to be. He's been playing like a man possessed. Uh, some people have him, myself included, as potentially a dark horse for the uh, defensive player of the year. Um, Sauce Gardner has been a, one of the, you know, bright spots in, in the secondary, probably one of the top corners in the league. And he actually just got in as a rookie second round draft pick. But I mean, he shut down Cortland Sutton last week. I understand it was the Broncos and it was Brett Rippon, but you know, Cortland Sutton is not a slouch. I mean, Sutton had a chance to, you know, pretty much pickpocket sauce on a touchdown pass late in the game that would have given the Broncos the win, but sauce hung tough and he fought that ball off from Sutton and he's been great uh, throughout the whole stretch of the season. So I think the jets are going to lean heavily on the defense. They're still going to go back to, you know, how they've been winning games this year, which is running the football a lot. And I know Brees Hall went down. He's a very explosive running back, but they changed, uh, they traded for James Robinson from Jacksonville for, I think a conditional sixth round pick that might uh, turn into a fifth rounder, depending on what, you know, conditions are met uh, for that pick to move up. But, you know, you have him, you got Michael Carter. Um, I I think this is a very live dog and uh, I have the Jets covering the spread. I also have the Jets winning outright. I just think there's so much noise coming out of Foxborough that maybe this team is distracted. And we wouldn't normally say that about a Bill Belichick team, but I think with everything going on, in, in the offseason and all the way up till now, I think that's very relevant that this team might be distracted. So that's a good point, and I want to have this quick conversation with you, Puma, because I, I can't seem to make any sense of what's happening. And the real question I want to ask is, well, why is Bill Belichick doing this? Like, why is he like pussyfooting around the situation? Why is he not going out definitively and saying, Mac Jones is our starter? And, and truthfully, I, I guess once you boil it all down, you know, obviously there's theories out there that he wants to make the kid earn it. And the fact that, you know, he, he's trying to put the kid in his place because Mac Jones is more of a very, you know, not whiny, but a very much like, tell me why we're doing this kind of thing guy, right? And I think that's starting to rub Bill Belichick the wrong way. And I think deep down, Bill Belichick doesn't really trust Mac Jones. I think if there's anything we can take away from the last two or three weeks, I think Bill understands 
maybe Mac Jones isn't the guy. And, and I think you're starting to see some of his coaching reflect that. I've never seen Bill Belichick make a self-preservation move like he did a couple of nights ago on Monday Night Football, right? He basically went out there, saw in three three series that Mac Jones just wasn't doing it, and they're down 10-0. And instead of riding it through with the guy, taking the L sure, at least you got the you got the ability to get to some live game reps and Mac just try to feel good about himself. He quickly pulled the hook just to win that game, right? So I, I wanted to ask you, Primo, what do you think is happening here? Why is there so much noise around why Bill Belichick isn't possibly giving his full weight of support behind Mac Jones? I think, you know, he might be off on the Mac Jones train and I think maybe it's coming down to the fact that if he admits that Mac Jones is not the guy it's it's going to be viewed as another failed draft by Bill Belichick especially in the post Brady era when everyone was pretty much anointing this kid as the next Brady as soon as he hit the Uh, stage uh, besides me (laughs) yeah for the well the majority of of New England Jay has been anointing him as the guy uh, Ooh, pretty much when he, Tom Brady. when he Shut hit up. the stage, like that's, that's the reality. And it's like, Oh, he fell right to us. It's, it's chess, not checkers. And, <laughs> and honestly, Jay, I, I think you're seeing, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a microcosmic society and this is maybe a deeper dive, uh, than, than anything, but you know, I don't think anybody coming into the NFL anymore is just going to be a yes sir no sir yes sir no sir especially if you're a first round draft pick it's like okay i just went from josh mcdaniels who had a competent offense and was running this for 20 years with tom brady to now i'm with you know two buffoons that have never called an offensive snap in the in the first place i was going into this offseason assuming that this was what the place where we were going to run uh based on maybe conversations that he had with coaching staff in the offseason and then all of a sudden you know, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia get hired. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a Mac Jones fan, but I don't blame him to ask questions of, you know, this is historically supposed to be the big year two leap. Why am I kind of getting, you know, no, torpedoed but, here? But, but Puma, but Puma, like, I, I get that. And I understand people are making that excuse quite a bit about Mac Jones has a right to, uh, to ask why this is happening. No, he has no freaking right. I'm sorry, he does not. And I know in this generation, yeah, there's a lot more of, you know, I want to know why this is happening. I want to be involved in the process. I want to already be there kind of thing. But there are people out there like Patrick Mahomes, who I, by the way, I'm not a big fan of. You keep hearing about how coachable he is. Like, yes, I make mistakes, but he wants to be coached toward it, and he is very coachable. There are still guys out there in the NFL, and obviously Bailey Zappi is a perfect example of that. When he comes in, it's a basic yes, no, Right. I'm going to make this throw no matter what. I'm not going to go give you a bunch of crap. And I think it's a fault of Mac Jones' character. And I've been writing this home for about a year and a half now. There's just something about the kid that I don't like. I don't like his mental makeup. And this is part of it. His entitlement. Yeah. But, Jay, but what would happen pre... Oh, I don't know. You know, now. What, what would happen? What would have happened five years ago if Jacoby Myers essentially put the coaching staff on blast saying he didn't understand what the game plan was going into this situation? why they're yo-yoing the quarterbacks and nobody really understood what was going on until 90 minutes before kickoff when Adam Schefter and Tom Pelissero may, you know, kind of floated it out there that, Oh, we're going to play two quarterbacks tonight. He would not be on the team. We, I mean, Jonas Gray was cut for less for being on the cover of sports illustrated. So it's not just like Matt Jones asking questions. Now you have other players in that locker room. there asking questions of the coaching staff and what, you know, what's the, what the game plan and the situation. And everyone thought this was going to be a playoff team, even though they pretty much backed in the playoffs last season. Well, no, so no, if, I- if everyone's coming to this conclusion of why are we doing this? That's more than just a Mac Jones thing. That's a locker room problem. Well, well, that's that's a good point, and, and you're right because Mac Jones talks like that. Kendrick Bourne is basing the doghouse because he questioned all of this. But let me ask you this: like, why do you think these players feel emboldened to say something, uh, to 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 speak out when, generally speaking, a Patriots locker room has never spoken out, right? So, is it a simple thing as Bill Belichick doesn't have the same leverage anymore? I mean, that's what we can point to, right? These 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 players feel emboldened to talk like that, and 
and, and I'm sorry, like I just I, I just don't seem to understand how Bill Belichick, everything we've known about him for 20 years, all of a sudden loses one player in Tom Brady and the whole culture falls apart. Like I find that fascinating that one guy in Brady was able to carry the message throughout the locker room, the big stick in the locker room that would disseminate Belichick's, you know, message, and now he's gone and now all of a sudden everybody's freaking chirping. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, there were reports and theories that the team pretty much quit on this defensive staff coming out of the bye week. That's why they backed okay. them in the playoffs. So, so now we've established that Bill Belichick has a cultural problem in the locker room. He might be losing some players. He's not really a smart offensive mind. On defense, yeah, he'll have three or four games a year where he's beautiful. Most of the regular games on defense, he beats up on the Bears and the Lions, and he gets torched by Justin Fields and running quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson and Bill Bell and uh, Buffalo Bills. So what you're saying is basically Bill Belichick, all he's good for is basically five defensive genius game plans a, a year. That's basically what we've been drilled down to. Pretty much. I mean, look at last. Look at Monday night. Everyone had the. Everyone had New England dropping damn near fifty points on Chicago, and especially against a, a, an offensive line that has pretty much gotten Justin Fields killed for all the way from last season up until Monday night. I thought you know Chicago was going to get plastered and they were just going to be taken to the woodshed. But I mean, they couldn't really generate a whole lot of pressure for a mobile quarterback. He, he put up the most, uh, I think, the second most rushing numbers against a Bill Belichick defense behind Lamar Jackson. And you know, they had chances to win that game. I mean, Fields almost coughed it up a couple of times just getting the snap, but. He didn't have anything. He had nothing for, you know, up until now, an anemic Chicago Bears offense. And they're kind of going up another anemic offense in the New York Jets outside of running the football. And I'm not saying Zach Wilson has wheels, but he's mobile enough to maybe make an off-script throw or maybe mobile enough to move the chains. I mean, there's this going to be another heavy dose of a running a running game plan against the Pats, and until they prove that they can stop this rushing attack or rushing attack from anybody in general, they're going to get a heavy dose of Brian Robinson and Michael and uh, and uh, the the other running back. I'm, I'm spacing his name, and maybe a couple of wide receivers James with Robinson? some speed. Yeah, James Robinson and the um, the other fellow. I'm, I'm spacing his name. I can't remember it, but. You're going to get a heavy dose of a rushing attack until, you know, New England either cries uncle or they make them do something else and throw the football. Yeah, and um, a final point on this, Puma, before we round out the conversation. You know, Robert Kraft brought some heat uh, down on, on Belichick. So, you know, he's got to basically win a playoff game this year, right? In, in a perfect world, it'd be great for him to make a deep playoff run. We're all happy and restore faith in the Belichick way, blah, blah, blah. But at the minimum, we're going to need to make a playoff appearance and win a playoff game. Do you think that happens this year? Nope. And what do you if think it was going to happen? If it was going to happen, they needed to beat Chicago okay. on Monday. And then, what are the repercussions, if any, are going to come out of not winning a playoff game this year? Well, any other franchise, the head coach would be fired, mm. and the way that you know Kraft was coming down with the edict from him on high saying that he's tired of not having a playoff uh, game in Foxborough and they haven't won a playoff game in X amount of years, logic would say that Bill Belichick would be packing his bags. Um, I don't think Kraft is going to have the stones to fire Bill, but do I think it's a bridge too far for him to go to Bill and say, we are shaking up this coaching staff. Your idiotic son with the mullet has done absolutely nothing in defense in the secondary. And these two buffoons on the offensive side of the football and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge aren't really doing anything that you were telling me about with this uh, zone running scheme of yours that you wanted to implement out of nowhere in training camp. Um, either you you change it up with the coaching staff or you can find new jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think uh, in a perfect world, that's all tough talk from, from Robert Kraft about how he wants to play F1 this year. In reality, Robert Kraft is neutered. He's basically a neutered dog. He's not going to do jack shit to Bill Belichick if if he doesn't win a playoff game. I mean, he's still going to roll in next year with his kids on the coaching staff, and maybe he'll talk the offensive staff, but the main root of the problem of Bill, Bill Belichick's arrogance and ego is still going to be there, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that is what Robert Kraft signed up for when he gave the, the keys to the franchise over to Bill Belichick. Like, if he pushed out the greatest of all time at Tom Brady, I'm sorry, he's, he's not going to go ahead and be pissed off that he won another playoff game this year. But here's the thing, though. If if he does that, and that's fine. It's he's the one that's cutting the checks up in Foxborough. If he if they miss the playoffs 
And it's not even close. I, I mean, at this point, if they miss the playoffs, they miss the playoffs. They did not meet the edict that, you know, Kraft wanted. Uh, but at this point, if they miss the playoffs, I I don't want to hear Kraft in front of a microphone next year saying that he's pissed about not ma- making the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. as clear as day, Jay, as clear as day is like what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's you know it's a bad staff. The roster leaves something to be desired. They cry poor when it comes to spending money to draw in free agents. They, you know, they've been resting on their laurels for so long. And Buffalo not only like overtook them, but they've they've essentially lapped the field three times Puma, with what the New England Patriots Buffalo. Have we're we're last in the AFC East. The Miami Dolphins have better outlook than we do. For God's mm-hmm. sake, the Jets are playing at a better level than we are. Like the, the the stuff that happened Monday night with the short leash and the pulling and making a complete clown show of your quarterback room and and basically losing the quarterback situation as a whole, like, that happens to Jets' types of organization, not the great Bill Belichick. Ooh, mm-hmm. chestnut checkers. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be a fun time. Ooh. I... The change change is gonna have to happen, Jay. That's all I got to say. No, that, that's the problem. Is I fear that there's gonna be no change, and this is how it's gonna be until Belichick decides to walk away. I fear that. Robert Kraft has basically made a deal with the devil in Belichick that you've got me six Super Bowl rings, you can do whatever the hell you want to do until you want to walk out of this building. Mm-hmm. Not good. All right, let's talk about the uh, the three and four San Francisco 49ers taking on the three and three Los Angeles Rams. Who do you got in this game, bro? Uh, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I mean, they're coming off of uh, a drubbing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they just got their shiny new toy. In, um, in Christian McCaffrey uh, from the Carolina Panthers in a trade that we mentioned earlier. But, you know, um, uh, Kyle Shanahan has a, a great, you know, record against Sean McVay. I don't think that's going to change. Uh, and plus, I, I, this game is going to be one on the, in the defensive line, like, like the Jets. I mean, the, the Rams offensive line is just god-awful. Uh, Stafford is give is a, a gimme to throw at least you know maybe uh, at least two interceptions a game pretty much at this point because he has no time he's got happy feet I think his elbow uh, injury going into the season is a, a legitimate problem I think it's more than just tendonitis and honestly without Odell Beckham Jr. there there's no one on that offense that really scares anybody to take the top off of defense so if it's not Cooper Cup that's open uh, it's almost like a one read type of situation if Cooper Cup not open this play that play really doesn't have a whole lot uh you know a high probability to succeed i mean tyler higby's been you know kind of uh coming on a bit lately uh this season at the tight end position but nobody really scares you outside of the on the perimeter outside of cup van jefferson is getting activated off of ir uh so maybe if he's a go in this game maybe that changes some things uh, but the running back room has its own problems. Cam Akers may or may not be traded uh, by the trade deadline. What's happening with that, by the way? How did that get so bad so he, quick? And the I don't know. Thing is, I haven't heard anything else about it. I just heard they're on the fritz. Cam Akers might get traded, and that's really all I've heard. Uh, I mean, Cam Akers, he, I don't, it's, I don't think it's an, like a work ethic issue. I know he's been atrocious in pass protection, and a couple of times Stafford has almost got his head ripped off. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it might be. You know, his style of running not really fitting this type of offense. I mean, it might be something as, you know, as simple as that. Uh, but, you know, he's been showing up day in and day out to practice. He hasn't like he hasn't skipped. He hasn't been, you know, marked out like uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore last week when he, you know, demanded a trade and the Jets told him to kick rocks. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was moved. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of him at all in this game. He might be a healthy scratch, uh, but this offense leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey from the 49ers here. Uh, give me the 49ers to, to win this game. Uh, what is the point spread right now? I th- Either way, give me the 49ers to win this game. It's a close one. The 49ers are laying a, a point and a half. The over-unders at 43. Uh, yeah, give me the 49ers to win. 
Yeah, and, and I got the 49ers winning this game as well, man. I, I, you know, finishing off that running back talk with the Rams, you know, it looks like he didn't practice today, Cam Akers, so this probably just will mostly rule him out for the game on Sunday. Um, it looks like Daryl Henderson is expected to take the work as the, as the Rams lead back, and then Malcolm Brown probably is going to be the backup. Uh, they've got one more guy by the name of Kyron Williams. Never heard of this guy in my life. Uh, looks like he's nearing a return from IR, so we'll see how that pans out. And, and you know, to the, to the bigger question here, like, yes, I mean, the Rams got a problem here. They can't seem to protect Matthew Stafford. The offensive line seems to be crap, and it's not doing them any favors that the running game is also lacking now as well, right? I mean, one of the best ways to protect your quarterback and your shoddy offensive line is run the hell out of the ball, right? So... I want to see how they, maybe you have a new attitude in the running back room with Akers being gone. Maybe the ball is run better, but they've got to fix that running attack. I mean, sneaky, one of the biggest reasons why the Rams and the Buccaneers are struggling is because they're they're bad running games. So that's the Rams side. On the 49ers side, I'm excited to see what Christian McCaffrey is going to look like in this offense. Uh, from everything you read online, it looks like last, year, last week he had... A, you know, a small percentage of plays. He only had 25% of the playbook available to him. This week, Sean Mc, uh, Kyle Shanahan said that he's getting the full-on playbook. Looks like he's a full go. He'll be using the passing and the run game quite a bit. Um, and they got to start stacking some wins here soon. They're 3-4. and four. They can't go down to 3-5. and five. That roster is way too loaded. Like, top to bottom, the only other roster that's as good as the 49ers roster is the Bills roster. And, and they've got to start stacking some wins. And they obviously fall squarely on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. If he plays as atrociously as he played last week against the 49ers, against the Chiefs, they're going to lose this game. But if he cannot crap down his leg, um, I think they'll be totally fine. I, I was absolutely heated. I know I was texting you when he threw that ridiculous interception in the end zone. And that basically cost him the game against the, against the Chiefs. But all he does is win. No, no, no. That guy, he's a bum. Do you, but, think, do you think this puts them over the hump? What, Chris McCaffrey? The 49ers? No, no, no. They, they've got... They've got They've got weird ways of viewing how to build a Super Bowl winning roster. Uh, maybe it's not weird because they went on to try to get Trey Lance because he was going to be the next guy, but they've gone right back to where they were three years ago when Jimmy Garoppolo lost the Super Bowl against against uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think it doesn't put them off the hump. They're basically right where they were last year. They're probably going to make a deep playoff run, probably an NFC Championship game or somewhere close to that. But I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy to put you over the hump. It's simply they're getting this team ready for next year for Trey Lance or, in my perfect world, Tom Brady. Nah, he's going to be retiring. <laughs> he, he looks like he'd rather be uh, running through Kabul dressed or, up as uh, Captain America. Or, or, or. All the New England Patriot uh, Twitter sphere today was talking about how Mac's not the guy, and what, how great would it be for Tom Brady to come back next year? <laughs> yeah, they can have that wet dream. Uh, they can. Have... Oh my God, that 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 New England Twitter sphere is something else, man. Yep. Uh, let's talk about one of the best games on Sunday Night Football. We've got the three and four. Green Bay Packers traveling to Buffalo to take on the five and one Buffalo Bills, and right off the bat. I cannot believe, and I, and I know you said it should be a bigger point spread. I still cannot believe it's a ten and a half point spread, bro. That is so yep. ridiculous. And it's still not enough. It actually creeped up. It creeped up half a point since no we talked way. yesterday. 11 it's at points? 11. Oh, my yep. God. Honestly, Jay, honestly, this this should probably more be more, oh, I'm not going to go as far as 14, uh, but definitely 12 maybe 12 and a half. That's kind of the highest I would go with the Bills laying points anywhere. I mean, Jay, the Packers going into the season, we pretty much we've all agreed. I know you and I agree that the NFC is so weak compared to the AFC that it really comes down to, at the time in preseason, came down to the Packers, the, the Rams, and the Bucks as like kind of the class of the NFC. And, you know, the Packers, they, they traded they traded Devontae Adams, and it looks like the whole offensive identity went out to uh, Las Vegas with him when they shipped him off because, you know, Aaron Rodgers got paid. He got what he wanted. He, you know, the, the big old contract kind of appeased his issues with the front office all of a sudden. But now he's got the, he's got a bunch of rookie wide receivers, an old Randall Cobb, and an Alan Lazard that can't seem to stay healthy and on the field. So he has no rapport with his wide receivers. And look at that, Jay. It's another veteran quarterback that did not play in the preseason. And now he's trying to get some semblance of a rapport when the games actually matter. 
And he's popping off on the Pat McAfee show about, you know, how if people aren't making the right plays, then you need to cut their reps or they shouldn't play at all. He's, you know, taking every opportunity he can to throw uh, Matt LaFleur uh, headfirst under the Greyhound. Um, and the defense has kind of been less than ideal. And David Bakhtiari, I don't know what kind of injury he's had at this point, but I honestly can't remember the last time this dude has really ever played a game. It, It might be damn near two years at this point. They're going against a Buffalo Bills defense that is lights out, even with, you know, um, with uh, Poyer going down and then Micah Hyde being her and, you know, maybe Tredavious White will be back for this game coming off of his knee injury last season. Um, you know, this offensive line has been kind of a sieve. Aaron Jones hasn't been involved a whole lot. A.J. Dillon has been damn near, uh, you know, non-existent. And Josh Allen has all these shiny toys that are going to, you know, ram this, uh, ram these wide receivers pretty much right at Jair Alexander. I think Stephon Diggs is going to have a big game. It's at Buffalo, uh, you know, Sunday night football, raucous crowd. I mean, give me the bills. I'm not a guy that typically lays a number this big, but I might lay the 11 points with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I get it, man. I'm I'm on the Bills train as well. I think the Bills are going to win. I think this is going to be, you know, a 10-point win. Um, That's double digits at the end of the day. I I just have a problem with that number. 11 points is just way too big. If I'm I'm, I'm not, obviously, I'm not a betting man right now because Ohio doesn't have legalized uh, gambling. But if I was, I would be taking the Packers all day, every day. And I know Aaron Rodgers got his problems. I know, you know, he's basically throwing the head coach under the bus. And at some point, the head coach got to get some balls and say something back to him. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is running all over that whole organization and they're not saying anything. But I still do think he's going to be able to go into Buffalo and put up a fight. I mean, I, I, I get it. The Bills defense is good, but they are... There are parts of that defense with injuries that you can take advantage of. And I think Aaron Rodgers has the arm strength to take advantage of that. So while I'm not saying the Buffalo Bills are going to lose this game, they're going to win this. I just think that 11 points is ridiculously high. So obviously, Bills winning. I'll take the points with the with the Packers. But I'm looking forward to this game. It's going to be a good game, man. It's going to be a lot more. It's going to be a lot closer than most people think it will be. You know what kind of worries me? Not really worried because like I, I would be filled with joy if this actually happened. But like if I was a Packers, if I was on the Packers side and I was going to take the 11 points, let's say the game gets out of hand in a third quarter, fourth quarter, and Aaron Rodgers did what he did a couple of years ago when it was down in Tampa. They went up early, and then Tampa just steamrolled them. And, and pretty much Aaron Rodgers cried uncle, and Jordan Love went into the game for the last, you know, I don't know, five, 10 minutes of the game. Like, I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility to see, you know, Aaron Rodgers do it in this case. I mean, they played the Washington, you know, commanders, you know, the the, the band formerly known as the Washington football team. Jay, do you know how many third downs Aaron Rodgers and the Packers converted last week? How many? Yes. Uh, so by that question, it's probably low. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, four. Nope. Less. Three? Zero. No. They did not convert a third down against the Washington Commanders. Wow. Not one. Wow. I did not. So one basic. So that's why I I have no. If they couldn't do that against a, a commander's defense, which the front four is great, the secondary has been the worst in the league. And you're Aaron Rodgers, and you, like you can't even do that with you know Romeo Dobbs, who I don't know maybe if Romeo had like a case of the yips on Sunday because he couldn't catch one target out of the four that he received. Uh, but I mean, they they couldn't convert a third down, not one third down, not even like a swing pass to Aaron Jones like on a wheel route on the third down. They could not convert one, not one. Wow. Uh, Fantasy-wise, um, do you think, uh, obviously, Bills are going to have a big game, so Gabe Davis, uh, Stephon Diggs. Uh, Dawson Knox, thoughts on, on him and this week? I mean, if you're you know hurting at tight end, which is a very you know volatile position, I, I mean, I, I would fire him up just because who else are you going to put in? Like Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, who finally practiced for the first time in you know 14 days. He played, He practiced today? Uh-huh. Wow. So, okay. Interesting. Sneaky, uh, keep an eye on that Raiders team. Uh, I like what I saw of them. Uh, obviously, it's the Houston Texans, and they beat up on the Texans, and I get all that. I-, I think those guys are about to get ready to go on a roll here soon. 
I mean, they're going to have to. But, yeah, short answer, I, you know, just because how bad the tight end position is in fantasy this year, mm-hmm. yeah, fire up, fire up your bills this week. Like, why why not at this point? Because the Packers defense really hasn't stopped anybody, and I think it's going to be a repeat of what, you know, Minnesota did to them week one where they just boat raced them. I, I think this game could get ugly, and I think it could get ugly pretty quick. Okay. All right. Okay, last game that we're going to be discussing, we've got the what is that? The four and three Cincinnati Bengals taking on the two and five Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. And right off the bat, I think this is going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a steamrolling effect on the Browns. I think the Bengals are going to go into Cleveland and work off all those demons they've had over the last couple of years where the Browns have come down to Cincinnati and beat them and all that stuff. So I like what I'm seeing out of the Bengals. Last week, Jamar, Joe Burrow went off, man, 480-some yards, three touchdowns. Dude look unstoppable. Jamar Chase got in on the phone. They they both raced the Falcons. And I think the Bengals finally are rounding into shape. You're starting to see all that money they spent in the offseason on the offensive line finally showing some returns, right? The, early on in the year, the Bengals' offensive line was still very leaky, and we're all wondering why they couldn't fix the issue was it a coaching issue was it how they're being taught was it just the skill players uh the skill level of the play of the players on the offensive line but now you're starting to see all gel uh joe bro is comfortable back there i think this team is trying to is trying to show some serious some serious afc um uh afc contenders potential so uh, the defense is still really good it's one of those defense where we talk about every week that man they don't have any big stars on the Bengals defense but they all play well and in sync and that's usually what wins out at the end of the day now the, the brown side they're two and five. It seems really bad up there right now. Kevin Stefanski, there's rumblings on Ohio Sports Radio that he might be looking for a job soon if he didn't start putting, uh, putting some wins together. The whole plan for the Browns was to keep everything afloat, you know, give Deshaun Watson a six and five team, a five and six team. That seems like a pipe dream. This team might be nine, like two and nine when uh, Deshaun Watson comes back. So it's bad up there in Cleveland, and it's only going to get much worse with the Bengals coming to town. Yeah, I'm actually kind of on the other side, Jay. What? I think it's going to be close. I, I, I think it's going to be close. The point spread's three and a half uh, with Cleveland getting those points. And, yeah, the Bengals' offensive line, you know, is giving Joe Burrow some more time. But, you know, over the last stretch of games, I mean, against, against the Falcons, you know, outside of Grady Jarrett, they don't have that great of a pass rush. The Saints' defense, the front four is good, but – you know, they kept it within four points. The Ravens are the Ravens on the front four. You know, I think this is going to be the first true test that this offensive line for the Bengals has faced since probably the Dallas Cowboys game uh, in week two. I think if if you get both, you know, uh, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett playing, I know Garrett's been, you know, playing for the most part this season outside of that one week he missed because of the car accident injuries. But, you know, if you get both Clowney and him playing on this defensive line, I think you're going to start seeing, you know, how well this offensive line for the Bengals have gelled. And I think if those guys can get home, they uh, they might be able to throw off the rhythm that Joe Burrows had with uh, with uh, Jamar Chase. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, didn't Jamar Chase come up a little gimpy in so the 49ers did? game with the hamstring injury? I mean, the uh, Falcons, right, this past week, right? This yeah, the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I thought so too as well, and I went back and I watched it. He he came up gimpy with a hip issue that was plaguing him during practice, but like it happened in the second, like first or second quarter, but he was still dynamite second half. Like he was still out there like throwing like bombs and catching them and still running around. So he was fine. Maybe he went in at halftime and shot it up, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but I don't think it'll be that big of an issue. Mm. But I think I think if this, if this defensive line for the Browns is able to get home and, you know, obviously – Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I'm expecting him to be there on the roster for this week. Uh, you know, with the trade deadline looming, there's been talks about Kareem Hunt may or may not be, you know, getting shipped out of town uh, by the trade deadline. The Bengals right now, they're top three in rush defense, but I, I feel like there's going to be a, an opportunity for Stefanski to either scheme these guys in, into some space, you know, especially Kareem Hunt as like the pass catching running back who honestly hasn't done a whole lot of pass catching this season. Maybe that changes this week against the Bengals because there's a good chance the Browns are going to be down at some point in this game. Uh, so he'll be the change of pace guy. I mean, give me the Browns getting the three and a half points. 
I'll go out there on a limb just to be the contrarian oh, and go. say that the Browns are going to win this game we go. Uh, on Monday Night Football, especially with the rivalry matchup. The Browns, in all honesty, you know they don't know how to close games out, and I and I get it. You are what your record sh- says you are, but I mean they've been in every game up until the fourth quarter for the most part. And for some reason, Jacoby Brissett and this team has not figured out a way to close it out. And I think that going, you know, like you said about people chirping in Ohio on sports radio, that they're if Stefanski wants to still be around next year, uh, they're going to have to put a win against one of the uh, their heated rivals in the AFC North. Yeah, this is, this is a big game for them, a uh, really big game. And I, I just, I'm just, I'm just in awe of, of Joe Burrow, man. Like, like his stat line: thirty-two of forty-two, four hundred eighty-one yards, three touchdowns. I'm sorry, four touchdowns with the one rushing touchdown he had. I mean, these numbers are just eye-popping. Like Tyler Boyd, eight for one hundred fifty-five yards and a touchdown. Jamar Chase, eight for one thirty-two touchdowns. Like, it just it just sucks as a Patriots fan to like watch like you know these young quarterbacks in the AFC alone, not even the whole NFL. Like Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and. We've got McCrap Jones. I mean, the guy, the guy that uh, destroyed his leg, is stepping on landmine four weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> we've got, we've got him. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just sad. I just can't believe we're here. But you know, congrats to the rest of the AFC. Y'all got great quarterbacks. It's, uh, it's okay, Jay. Everybody hurts. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Oh man. Oh, on some positive news, uh, did I tell you I'm going to the Ohio State Penn State game this weekend? Uh, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that you were, you, you and, uh, you and your brother were thinking about it, but mm-hmm. you, you guys finally pulled, you pulled the trigger on the tickets, huh? Oh, we did uh, a couple of weeks ago. We just got front up all the plans, but yeah, we're going out Friday morning, bro. It's a five hour drive in. We're going to go hang out, you know, go check out the sights and the sounds of happy Valley in Pennsylvania, wake up on Saturday and go have a fun time watching the Buckeyes beat up on some lions. Nice. Some Good pants. luck. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, okay, cool. We've got one last segment. Best bets with the Puma. Um, what do you got this week, bro? All right, so we're going to win some cold, hard cash. And uh, this is this segment is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook, the unofficial official sportsbook of the Pro Football Radio Podcast. And this week, right now, I don't have a whole lot of action. I might go back, like I said earlier, uh, maybe lay the 11 points with the Buffalo Bills. I haven't decided yet. I'm leaning that way. I uh, kind of wish I got a 10 and a half, to be honest with you, instead of it going up to 11. Uh, shows the importance of closing line value. Um, and I might go back and take the three and a half with the, uh, with the Cleveland Browns against the, uh, the Bengals this week. But right now, so far, my official plays of the weekend. I'm going back to the well. I'm going to go with the New York football giants going across the country to Seattle, the land of the 12s. Uh, they're getting three points on the road, and by hook or by crook, uh, these guys have been not just covering the spread, but winning outright in pretty much all of these games. Uh, definitely covering the spread in almost all these games. Um, I think this team, considering what you know, this coaching staff has had to walk into with a terrible cap situation, with uh, you know Kenny Galladay being you know non-existent. Kadarius Tony may or may not have a leg injury, or maybe it's just Dayball saying, "Hey, you're not my guy. I really want nothing to do with you." So we're just going to keep marking inactive as if you have an injury. But you're seeing the emergence of Daniel Jones. You're seeing the emergence of Wandell Robinson, who's going to be you know a stud wide receiver in this offense just by proxy because there's no one else to catch the ball. Um, and I think they're going to keep this game close, especially with the emer- you know, the reemergence of Saquon Barkley uh, looking vintage, uh, you know, this season up until this point. And I think Geno Smith, he's been great. He's been a story uh, this season, but I think Seahawks are going to lean, you know, back on the run, uh, especially with Kenneth Walker uh, just looking like an absolute savage. You know, you run the ball on both ends, with both teams, it's going to shorten the game. I think the under is in play in this game, but I also think they're going to keep it close. So, Give me the Giants getting three going on the road in Seattle. Also going to the other New York team. I'm taking the Jets to cover the one and a half point spread that I got them at. If you were to bet this game right now, the uh, the Jets are going to be getting uh, two and a half. Maybe this creeps up to three. Not too sure. But I got the Jets covering and also winning outright in this game. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got the Eagles laying 10 and a half. Uh, this Eagles team is legit, and just adding Robert Quinn to this roster is just a cherry on top 
uh, on the defensive side of the football. The Steelers' offensive line has its own problems. They can't get Najee Harris into space or really have him click. Uh, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, also thinks it's the 1990s where you have to run on first and second down, and you're in you know you're not in third manageable situations, and everyone and your brother knows that you're going to throw the football against this defense. I think Darius Slay is going to have a day. I would not be surprised if Slay ends the uh, ends the day to, on Sunday with two interceptions because Kenny Pickett was a turnstile when the game mattered the most against the Miami Dolphins last Sunday. And speaking of the Dolphins, I'm going with the Dolphins laying the three points against the Detroit Lions this weekend. The Lions are at home. Uh, you know, maybe this is a bad travel spot for the Miami Dolphins, but the Lions defense has just been, you know, pretty pretty god awful all year long. I don't think they're going to have the uh, the chops to slow down this, uh, you know, the firepower at the wide receiver position with, you know, uh, with Hill and Waddle and Gesicki. Um, I think maybe two is, you know, now that he has the rust off, he's going to be more polished in this game. It's another, it's a good bounce back spot for Tua, uh, in this game as well, too. So give me the Dolphins laying three points. I think right now, if you were to bet it, it might be at three and a half. Um, I think the over might be in play in this game too. The over under is at 51 and a half, but I, right now my best bet is Dolphins laying three points. Okay, cool. And then I want to round this out. And I know we didn't touch on this because it's a Thursday night game. So it's just tomorrow night, but give me just your quick prediction on the Ravens Buccaneers game, because it seems like this is a, a must, must, must win, um, for the, for the Buccaneers or the whole might, or their whole, uh, season might be collapsing in front of them if it hasn't been already. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, they're going to have to win, Jay. I mean, they were a 13-point favorite, and they laid an egg against the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. And they, the offense is dead last in running the ball. They're the dead last – not dead last in passing, but whenever they uh, – whenever Tom's trying to throw the ball, you know, his guys are dropping it. You know, Julio Jones has turned out to be the pumpkin that I thought he was. Mm-hmm. He's, Good I job. Think he's, only, he's only been active one game. You know, the, Leonard Fournette's not getting any, any push. The offensive line is bad. Um, their, their defense has dealt with injuries. I think a couple of key guys might miss this game on the short week, uh, especially against a running quarterback like Lamar. And, you know, you, you have Mark Andrews who's kind of dealing with an injury, but I'm expecting him to play. I mean, unless Todd Bowles is going to draw up a defense like Flores did last season or, yeah, last season on Thursday Night Football where they just ran cover zero the whole time and confused the hell out of Lamar. I mean, I don't really see the Buccaneers stopping this team. And it's funny because yesterday the Ravens were a one, one and a half point favorite. A lot of money must have been coming in on Tampa Bay because the the odds have shifted. So Tampa's now the one point favorite at home. Uh, Baltimore's getting the points uh, and the over-unders at 45 and a half. So this has been going back and forth between, you know, the Ravens, being a favorite 24 hours ago, it's all of a sudden they're a one point dog. This is essentially a pick 'em game. I'm not betting this game, even if he gave me free money, um, but I lean towards Baltimore winning this game because the, the, the Buccaneers have showed me nothing. No, no sign of life. Uh, last week would have been the prime bounce back spot, and they, they only put up three points against a reeling Carolina Panthers team that's clearly in a rebuild with PJ Walker, the XFL MVP. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad last week. And at the end of the day, Puma, like, you know, we all know the quarterback is going to get most of the blame or most of the credit. So I'm not going to fight anybody on that battle because obviously Tom Brady will get the most of the, of the blame here. But we've got to be real about this. This is Buccaneers team is just trash. Like, I hate to say it, but top to bottom, like, what is the offensive line, the running, rushing attack, Leonard Fournette, my God, uh, he just looks horrible. And then, and then to be real with Todd Bowles, I think he's a complete trash of a head coach as well. The guy was trash in New York, and he seems like he has no clue what he's doing on the sideline right now. I never thought I'd say this, but Bruce Arians, I missed the guy. <laughs> I mean, I, that is absolutely insane for me to think that people actually uh, that I, that I would miss Bruce Arians. And, and I think it comes down to authority. Like I, I think it's something about just the demeanor that Todd Bowles has and how he controls the locker room to how Bruce Arians did. So I think this is going to get much worse for the Buccaneers before it gets better. And, and I'm not looking forward to see what happens tomorrow night. And then one last thing before we head out: Have you heard those reports about how Nathaniel Hackett might be coaching for his job this week against the Jaguars? No, I did not. Yeah, I saw some rumblings today on, on FS1 on First Things First about how, you know, the, the Walton family, the the new ownership group of 
of the Broncos, um, they're not happy with what they're seeing. They're somewhat embarrassed of what Nathaniel Hackett has been putting on the field as a product. And there is a real sense that if this gets ugly and God forbid they get blown out in, in, in London, there's a good chance he might be coaching for his job. Well, I didn't think it was going to be week eight. I figured he mm-hmm. might have a chance to ride the team out, uh, ride the season out. But here's the thing, dude. Like, is Nathaniel Hackett bad? Yes. yes. He has been bad. This is also a very inexperienced coaching staff for for whatever reason. This is what, you know, Hackett built together. It's almost akin to what Sala did when he first got hired with the Jets, where he hired the Floors brother, who I think was with him in San Francisco. Like, neither one of those guys, you know, he hasn't called any – he didn't have any play-calling experience at the time. Obviously, this was – Salas first bite at the apple as a head coaching gig like I do see parallels with how inexperienced that staff is compared to what you know Nathaniel Hackett's staff is doing right now um do I think he's gonna he should be fired mid-season I don't think so because a lot of this I think is is gonna have to go on Russ Wilson too like this is another instance that's of right veteran quarterback that did not participate in preseason at all and did not build any rapport with the offensive player, skill position players uh, and game time moments, maybe even just, you know, how the plays are going to be called in. You, you know, this would be something that should have been hashed out in the preseason. And we're trying to do it when the games matter. And, you know, I think Russ, Russ has damaged goods at this point. I think Pete Carroll was a genius for shipping him off for what, uh, what kind of draft pick haul he got. And, you know, you're experiencing a lot of buyer's remorse down in Denver because they gave him that big old contract before they even saw him play a snap for the Denver Broncos at that point. So there's a lot of issues with this team. The head coach is going to get the brunt of it because you're not going to can the guy that you just gave this massive contract extension to. But I think it's like, you know, not a 50-50 split, but it's I think there's enough blame to go around in Denver. Yeah, man, it's a very interesting situation. So we'll see how all that pans out. But I mean, I think that's all I've got, Puma. Let's let's plug it up and call it a day, man. Yeah. So this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts at under Pro Football Radio Podcast. If you're listening to us on YouTube, make sure you hit the little bell button for when on these videos. You'll be notified when this is in your feed. Uh, Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Uh, hell, leave a question if you want us to answer it on the air over here. Uh, Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review as well, too. Um, social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast. Uh, Twitter machine, at PFR Podcast. Uh, I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on social media, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it, as always, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Fire con Dios!